0: You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast, recorded with Hashem's unbelievable help, in Ramah BeShemesh Israel, fifty-seven, sixty-nine, two thousand and nine. This week's Parsha is Parshas Beshalach. Before we get into the Parsha, I just wanted to share with you a small thought that a friend of mine shared with me, and I think it's a very beautiful idea, and it will help us understand the whole concept of the Exodus, how it relates to us, how important it, how important it is, and how we're supposed to relate it to our children. The question that my friend asked me, he said, "Why does it say in the Torah that you have to be misaper, le saper? The Torah keeps saying you have to tell over. Why does it say to tell over with the lesson of sipur, which means to tell a story? Why doesn't it say daber to speak, lomar to say? Why is it le saper to tell over?" And what he explained to me was that the concept of Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim, the Exodus, it can't be something which is history. It can't be facts that we take down and we memorize for a test, for a history test. That's not what the Exodus is to us. It's something that we remind ourselves of every day. But the mitzvah of Sipur Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim, the commandment to st- Tell over the story of the Exodus from Egypt. What's a story? What's Lissapir means? It means to tell a story. What's a story? A story is something that you feel, you sense, you feel like you're part of that story. It's like this is not a good comparison, but it gives us the idea of what it means to be inside of a story. There was a certain rabbi I was once speaking to, and he was telling me how he was talking to one of his students, and one of his students had said to him, in a in a kind of sheepish way that that um, when she was reading the Harry Potter books so in book number 6 i believe it was so Harry Potter's mentor Dumbledore he dies and so when she was reading the book she cried when Dumbledore died and she said to her rebbe, to this rabbi she said when my grandfather passed away i didn't cry but when Dumbledore died in the book i cried and so the rabbi was telling me this as you know like a said comment to where we're holding as far as being in touch with reality but the point that i'd like to bring out of that story is that's when you say over a story and when you say it over right you get involved in the story the story becomes something you're living you can be emotional you can be you can cry over somebody dying it's a fictional character he died in the story a great mentor of harry potter dies and everyone cries it's, it's a little bit funny but it's true because a person who's telling a story if you tell the story right you get involved in the story and that's why the exodus the yetzis turn this story is something that we tell over to our children we have to give them a ham chasha we have to, they have to feel like they themselves went out that's what we say in the Haggadah we have to feel like we left we have to feel the exaltation of the Jewish people the unbelievable excitement as they leave Egypt the unbelievable excitement as God takes care of them shows them incredible miracles that's something that we can communicate to our children we need to communicate to our children because the Jewish people have no future unless we have a past unless we have that connection to our history to the Torah, to Halacha to our customs, to our traditions to to all the things that God gave us at Sinai and he he tells us at Sinai he says you got to remember I'm the God who took you out of Egypt they just left Egypt but it was something that this is something that they have to have for all generations we need to give that over to our children we need to give it to them in a very real way it has to be a real story Just this morning, I was walking my kids to nursery school. My my boy goes to Cheder. He's in Machina. He's five and a half. My daughter's four. And when I'm walking them there, it's about a ten minute walk. I like to tell them about the Parsha, talk to them, say a Devar Torah, give them a little bit of something that's connected to Hashem. So I was talking to them about this Parsha about Yamsuf Kriyas Yamsuf. And my daughter turns to me. She's four years old, and she says to me, "Daddy, we were there, right?" And I said, "Uh, "What do you mean?" She's like, "We were there, right." I'm like, you mean our Nishama, our soul was there, perhaps in a different body? And she wasn't sure exactly what I meant, but she said yes. And I said, to her, Who told you that? Where did you get that from? Did your mora tell you that? She said, No, her mora didn't tell you that. How did you know that? She said, I know, I know. And I think this is the goal that we should have when we give over the Torah to our kids. And we give over the excitement that we have for mitzvos Because if we try to force the kids, they're not going to be interested. But if we show them that we're excited about something, naturally they want to do what we want to do. And if we force them, it's not going to go. But we need to give it over to them in such a way that they know. They know inside themselves. They're not sure where they know it from. They, they know they didn't hear it from their teacher. They know that they know it from somewhere. They think it's from themselves. That's, that's what it means to give over a story. To give it over so that they have it on their own and they feel like it's a part of them and they're a part of the story that's how we need to give over to our kids the story of the exodus now let's come to this week's parsha parshas beshalach and there's something very interesting i'd like to point out that's a concept that the nefesh Hachaim brings down we're actually going to learn it in perhaps a few weeks in the daily kabbalah lesson but i wanted to share it with you here because it's a very powerful idea it brings down the pasuk in this week's parsha chapter 14 verse 15 and let's get a little bit of the background what's going on there they're standing at yams so if they're standing in front of the sea and they're looking out at the sea. In front of them, there's no hope. Behind them, the Egyptians are chasing after them, coming to enslave them again, coming to kill them. Who knows what the Egyptians are going to do with them. Sounds of war on either side. There's no, there's no chance. And they start to call out to God. And they start to dive. And they start to pray. And Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, something unbelievable. You wouldn't have expected this. This is f- chapter 14, verse 15 again. God says to Moshe, Ma titzak Eli, why are you calling out to me? speak to the Jewish people and let them move unbelievable thing God says this is not the time to be davening this is not the time to be praying this is the time to be moving now the question obviously here is if there was any point in Jewish history where all of the Jewish people were together in a place with intense danger it was at this point this is a time they shouldn't be praying they shouldn't be calling out to God God save us Why is God telling them not to be calling out? Why is God telling them, move? What's the understanding of this? This is the question of the Nefesh Ha'chayim. I'd like to share with you the answer the Nefesh HaKhaim says, along with the commentary of Rabin Ziyan Epstein, who on the New Feldheim, the Hebrew version, he has a whole beautiful parish, a whole beautiful explanation on the Nefesh HaKhaim. He brings in all kinds of different Sifre Kabbalah from the Kabbalah books and from all kinds of different from the Gura and the Ramchal, all kinds of beautiful ideas. So I'm going to share with you a little bit of the Nefesh HaKhaim and a little bit of what Rabin Ziyan Epstein says. So starting with the Nefesh HaKhaim, he's speaking about the idea that Corresponding to how we behave is how Hashem deals with us. Corresponding to how the human being, how the Jew acts, that's how Hashem brings down his Shefa, his influx into the world. This is a concept. Hashem is, Hashem is called Tzilcha Ayadimenecha, the shadow by your right hand. Corresponding to how we act, that's how Hashem deals with the world. Thus, the Jewish people, when they were standing there, on one side of them were the Egyptians, on the other side was the Yamsuf. What was their response supposed to be? It wasn't supposed to be tefillah. It was not supposed to be prayer. And the reason was because they had to show a level of emunah, of trust, of bitachon, of absolute faith in God. By showing that emunah, by showing that faith, so they showed that they trusted completely in God, so God would fulfill that trust and perform a tremendous miracle for them. By them walking into the sea, that showed that they trusted in God. Why? Because God told them to do this crazy thing, walk into the sea. It's not a logical thing. Walking into the sea means certain death, but when God says to do it, you do it. And you have faith in God that He's protected you and taken care of you until now. And in the merit, in the zechus of the fact that they listened and they indeed had faith in God, they trusted God that God would take care of them, they walked into the sea, the sea split. But the miracle was brought about because of their faith. Because they trusted in God. Because they showed. They did something which was above their nature. They walked into the sea, which was a place of certain death. They did that. They did something which was above their nature. So Hashem, God, responded in kind by performing a miracle which was absolutely above nature, like nothing the world had ever seen before. He split the sea in front of the Jewish people. They walked through on dry land. The Egyptians walked into the sea as well. And they were deluged by the water. Not a single one of them remained. That's what the Nefesh says. To give us more of an understanding, Rav Epstein, in his commentary, brings down a concept from the G'ra, and he explains as follows, he says something very interesting. This is actually a Rashi on the Pasuk, in Shmos Perkudal, chapter 14, verse 19. The verse says there, that The angel of God that was going in front of them, it went behind them. So, what does it use? Why does it use the Lushan, Why does it use the language of Malach Elohim, the angel of God with the name Elohim? The name Elohim always denotes strict divine justice. What was it coming to teach us by saying the angel of God, Elohim? So, Rashi explains that at that time, so the Tsar, the officer, the angel of Mitzrayim of Egypt, got up in front of God and he said to him as follows He said, Look, we've got these Egyptians and we've got these Jews. You, God, you want to save the Jews, you want to make a miracle happen for them, and you want to kill all the Egyptians. I have something to say about that. In, in my opinion, if you look at the Egyptians and you look at the Jews, they're not so different. The Egyptians worship idolatry. The Jews worship idolatry. Why should we save the Jews and destroy the Egyptians? If anything, they should all be drowned in the water. Now this, time, this statement of the Malach, this angel who was in charge of Mitzrayim of Egypt, It was correct. It was really true. The Jewish people, if they would be judged according to strict justice, if they would be judged this way, there was no way that they had a chance. They had no way out brings down of epstein from the Gru, that in fact if they would have davin davin can only help you to get what you deserve it can't help you get anything more than that and in fact it couldn't have helped them prayer alone would not have been able to help them at this time because they indeed were just as bad as the egyptians in a certain sense they worshiped idolatry just like the egyptians they were worthy of death just like the egyptians just as that malach that angel had said heaven forbid However, there was a secret that the malach, this angel, didn't know and that was that there's a place that you can get which is beyond justice there's a place that you can get which is higher than strict divine justice that place is called rachamim gemurim rachamim gemurim means absolute complete mercy and that place is something which is above divine justice but in order to be above divine justice so it has to be in a place that's above logic because logic dictates justice logic says look these people they're deserving of death just as much as these people there's no reason that we should distinguish between and they should all be killed. However, there's a level which is above logic, and it's referred to as keser. You have chachma, which is a level of wisdom. You have bina, which is a level of understanding. Each one of these has a different connotation. It's not necessary to get into it at this point. However, there's something which is above the concept of wisdom, above the concept of understanding. It's above logic. It's called keser. Just like a crown, the word keser means crown, just like a crown rests upon the head, above the head, so to kesser, the concept of kesser is a concept that's above logic. And therefore, it is the level of absolute mercy, of pure mercy, unmitigated mercy. It's a level we could refer to as unconditional love. But how does one access that level? How does one get above the, to the level of kesser, the level which is above logic? Explains of Epstein, the way you get there is by doing an action, which is above logic, when you jump into the sea, you do something which is absolute suicide it doesn 't make any sense, and you do it because God says it when you reach that level which is above logic you 're willing to do what you know is correct, even though it doesn 't make sense that 's when you 're able to enter into the level of Kesser into the level of unmitigated mercy, unmitigated love, unconditional love, and that 's what the Jewish people had to do because at that point by, by logic, they shouldn't have survived. However, they had to get to a level which was above logic, and that's the level that they got to by doing this action which was Al-TV, which was supernatural. They did a supernatural action, and it resulted in a supernatural effect. This idea reminds me of a story I once heard. A certain person came one time to a great Godel, of Chaim it was a tremendous person. He has a Baal HaKodesh. He has divine inspiration, and this person came to him and he said that he wanted a blessing for a certain friend of his who was very, very sick, critically ill, and the doctors weren't giving him too much of a chance. And he wanted a blessing for this person, so Reb Chaim Keyevsky responded and said to him, "Brachavatslocha." gave him a very simple blessing: blessings and success." The man who came to Reb who was desperate, he said to him, Rebbe, Rebbe, that blessing is not going to suffice for this person. He needs a tremendous blessing, he needs a tremendous Yeshua, a tremendous salvation. He's not going to survive, he's not going to make it, the doctors aren't giving him too much of a chance. Reb turned to this person and said, You know, our sages teach us that there's tremendous power to giving charity. If you want a tremendous salvation, you need a real salvation you have to give a real donation, you have to give a serious difficult charitable donation and that's the way that he's going to be saved and in fact that's what happened, they give a tremendous charitable donation and in fact the person survived. Now what's the pshat? How does that work? What's the understanding of the story? And the answer is the same exact answer. When a person is able to do an action which is above his nature then Hashem responds with a reaction which is above nature, with a miraculous answer. And that's what happened to Kal Yisrael, right there, the Jewish nation. Now what I think one of the messages that comes out of this idea, that can touch us personally, is that many times we feel like we failed. We failed God, we failed ourselves, perhaps we failed our spouse, we failed whoever it is, our children, our families, but... It's never too late because Khan Israel was, was on the forty ninth level of Tumma, on the forty ninth level of impurity. They were almost gone. And the tsar, that that Malch, that angel, was right, they should have died. But they were able to do an action which was above the natural, supernatural action, and was able to have a supernatural reaction. We too, every single one of us, has the ability, the power within us, to do something which is tremendous, which is great. And we can take it so, so a person says, well, I'm going to do it one time, one one action, that's amazing, that's spiritual, and that's going to save me and pull me out of the depths. The answer is... Of course not. One action won't have the ability to save you for the rest of your life. But one action can turn you on to the potential that you have inside of you. One action, one supernatural act, you realize, hey, I can really do this. I can really learn the Torah. I can really come close to God. I can really open myself up to spirituality. That inspiration, that moment when a person has that, it opens them up. You know, this was the beginning of Klausel, this was the spiritual birth of Klai Israel. And here they were as they were walking through the Yam, walking through the sea, they were experiencing this unbelievable inspiration. They had a higher Nevu, a higher prophecy as they walked through the sea. Then Yechezke Ben Buzi, Ezekiel, who described for us the Maismer Kava, the workings of the chariot, what it looks like in the throne room of God, so to speak, Kivyachol. every single one of them had this experience it was a moment's experience, it wasn't like this was something that they had for the rest of their lives per se but it was a moment of inspiration they were able to act beyond their natural capacities, they were able to look and say this is what I can be and they took that inspiration with them they were able to build that back up they spent 49 days further going towards Sinai, towards Sinai where they would accept the Torah we can also do that we can also take the inspiration that we get wherever it is if it's from a daily dvar, if it's from a Parsha podcast if it's from an inspiring lecture that we hear from our, our sermon from our rabbi whatever it is we can take that inspiration and we can allow it to become this is my goal this is where I want to go and when it becomes a place that we can head it becomes a guidepost for us so then God will lead us on that path He'll bring us there in a supernatural way when we begin with a supernatural, something difficult for us to do, we begin with that. God will do something supernatural to bring us there, to bring us closer to our goal, and it becomes a light for us. I want to bless you and me and all of us that we should merit to see the light that's inside of us, the supernatural that's a spark, that we can see with it all the potential that we have within us. I want to bless us all that we should all merit to come close to God. God should bring us along on a spiritual journey to constant closeness. We should all merit to see the redemption of the Jewish people, the rebuilding of the temple, speedily and in our days. Thanks for listening. Have a very good Shabbos.